This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 7.05 a.m. on Wednesday, the 15th of February. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jensen. Now, in half an hour, we're going to break down what's happening in Kuantan with the Linus Rare Earth Processing Plant. But as always, we are going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. So U.S. markets ended mixed as it digested the recent U.S. CPI numbers. The Dow was down 0.5%, S&P 500 down marginally by 0.03%, Nasdaq was up by 0.6%. In Asian markets, the Nikkei was up by 0.6%, Hang Seng down by 0.2%, Shanghai Composite it was up by 0.3%, Straits Times Index down by 0.2% index, and the FBM KLCI it was up by 0.6%. Ah, oh, so Straits Times was down even though uh, the budget was announced yesterday afternoon. Uh, We'll be getting more into that after the 7.30am News Bulletin. But for some thoughts on what's moving international markets, we have on the line with us Carlos Casanova, Senior Economist at UBP in Hong Kong. Carlos, good morning. Always good to have you. Now, the all-important US CPI numbers for January were released last night. What do you think will be the Fed's reaction to them in their next FOMC? Good morning and thanks for having me. Um, So the inflation data was actually mixed, (laughs) thereby we saw mixed performance in the markets overnight. Um, We admittedly did see a decline, um, but that decline was slower um, than many uh, analysts were forecasting. So that shows that um, this cool down in inflation might actually take uh, longer than expected. Um, Headline numbers were 6.4%, that's only 0.1% lower. Uh, than in December, um, and core inflation was still very high at 5.6%, um, which is, uh, again, 0.1% lower than 5.7% in um, December. So that decline wasn't uh, really big. It was it was a very mo- small decline um, between December and January. And what is more worrying is that on a month-on-month basis, um, inflation actually increased to 0.5% uh, from 0.1% in December. So it shows that this uh, battle against inflation will take longer um, than perhaps we, we were expecting um, at the beginning of the year. To answer your second question on the Fed, um, right. that means that they will have to do a 25 basis point rate hike. And because this will take longer than expected, that also means that rate hikes will remain high for longer and we don't expect any easing until 2024. And Carlos, recently you revised your forecast for China's 2023 GDP growth upwards from 5.2 to 6%. What are the main reasons for doing so? It's actually um, a quite, quite a comprehensive view, but we see three main factors. Um, so we have seen excess savings develop in 2022. Um, and so we think this is going to be a consumption-led rebound in 2023. Um, just to give you uh, some indication of the magnitude, uh, we're looking at potentially 25 trillion US dollars in excess savings. Of course, in China, you know, households like to save money. So not all of that will make it into consumption like in the US, but some of, some of it will. Um, so that's one of the factors. Um, the faster reopening in December is the second factor. Um, we see now fewer risks to the first quarter outlook uh, because they effectively pivoted already in December. And the, the third point is the uh, housing sector. We've seen a lot of policy support to developers and also to home buyers. Uh, And although we don't think that housing prices will rebound in 2023, the fact that um, it's not going to drag as much as 2022 is a positive catalyst for consumption. So we we think that that's one of the other reasons why we are going to see this uh, improvement in sentiment consumption and GDP over the board. 
Okay, Carlos, uh, related somewhat to property is Singapore, actually, because they have been seeing portfolio inflows from China into the property and other investments. Uh, I'm curious, what's the allure of Singapore for Chinese investors? Mm. Well, uh, there's been uncertainty um, surrounding Hong Kong for Chinese investors, given um, that Hong Kong was a little bit slower to pivot out of um, its own zero COVID uh, strategy. In fact, uh, we are now lagging mainland China in terms of removing some of those virus containment measures. Um, and so for uh, investors that were looking to diversify or worried about some of the travel restrictions, uh, lockdowns, and so on and so forth, Singapore presented a better alternative um, than Hong Kong. Uh, we are seeing this trend of like investors wanting to have the option to be in this market or that. Singapore is, of course, also very well positioned to benefit from uh, growth in Southeast Asia. But um, I don't uh, think, to answer the second part of your question, that the region is in a position to overtake Hong Kong, uh, given the fact that um, you know, rep- you know, assets on the management in Hong Kong are still uh, second in, or in, largest in the world. Um, the IPO market is, of course, much bigger. So in order to replicate all of that infrastructure, you would need to import a sizable amount of uh, international workers, and that is not something that Singapore can cope with without uh, uh, you know incurring uh, inflationary pressures a much higher increase in housing, and so most likely the government will not want to go there. So just uh, an option, but not a a replacement for Hong Kong. And turning our attention over to Japan, Kazuo Ueda, if all goes well, is likely to become the new Bank of Japan governor, replacing the current uh, Kuroda. What do we know of his views on monetary policy? Do you think he'll make any significant changes? Well, I think with there being a change in personnel, the likelihood that BOJ makes changes is higher. I think there was a report by Citibank uh, calling him a, a, a hawk, and that led to some uh, JPY appreciation. Uh, over the weekend, of course, Weta made comments about the Bank of Japan policy being adequate um, and the Bank of Japan needing to continue to provide stimulus to secure the economic recovery. And of course, GDP numbers yesterday um, also confirmed that that recovery and activity was weaker than expected. So. People then called him a dove. Um, if you look at uh, Ueda's research over the years, of course, he, he is an academic, um, and Japan has been in a deflationary situation for 20 years. He does sound like a dove to me. Um, more, Most likely, what is going to happen is that with a personal change, Bank of Japan will be open to changing uh, policies if that's needed. Um, and Ueda is an academic, so he'll be very monitoring the data very closely. So we think that Bank of Japan calibrates its policy using core inflation in order for Japan to see a sustainable long-term increase in core inflation. The situation around employment and wages need to change. Um, So that's what we are monitoring going forward. All right, Carlos, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Carlos Casanova, senior economist at UBP in Hong Kong, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. We did cover US CPI numbers um, that were not as as low as expected, I suppose. Decline is a lot slower. Uh, so we spoke about China's uh, GDP growth, as well as comments there on the incoming Bank of Japan governor. Yeah, talking about incoming bank, uh, well, him being a bit of a dove, right? Guess which dove is also leaving the Fed? It's Leah Brenner. Brenner, have I got her name correct? Uh, she's been actually named as the new head of the National Economic Council by Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, on Tuesday. And she's known to be one of the doves on the, uh, at, the F- at the Fed. And the question is, who's going to replace her? And will that change the tone of what uh, the Fed has been saying? Will it become 
whoever that person is, will it become more hawkish? Will it become more dovish? We'll be watching that space because, uh, you know, every time they replace someone at Fed, it is quite important. Indeed. And I'm wondering with the polarization, political polarization in the US, how long drawn out could this affair be to get that new replacement? But something we'll be keeping an eye on. Let's turn our attention over to corporate earnings. Uh, we do have a couple of big names on our docket this morning. Let's start with Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola reported its fourth quarter results that beat analyst expectations driven by higher prices for its drinks. So earnings per share was $0.45 cents adjusted versus $0.45 cents expected. Uh, revenue was $10.1 billion versus $10.02 billion US dollars expected. Net sales rose 7%, and this was driven by 12% growth in pricing. So obviously, even though Coke is more expensive, that doesn't stop people from drinking it. And despite the growth, the higher prices have, have hurt demand for some of their products like Simply Orange Juice and Fair Life Milk. Uh, he, the CEO also said that European customers were changing their behaviour in response to soaring inflation, reflecting a softer consumer demand, which is likely to continue for the rest of the year. However, Coca-Cola said its US business is still performing well and the reopening of China will likely boost sales this year. Well, I think if you look at the outlook, uh, Coke is is guiding comparable revenue growth of between three to five percent and comparable earnings per share growth of four to five percent for for this year. While analysts on the street are estimating about three point nine percent revenue growth. If you look at Bloomberg, I think pretty much still a darling twenty buys, eight holes, zero sells. Consensus target price for this stock, 69 US dollars. At regular market hours, it was actually down 1 US dollar and 1 cent to 59.59. Now, the point to look at the stock is that it's a generally good barometer in terms of what the global consumer is feeling because it's got products. I mean, it's it's a global brand, right? You can buy Coke everywhere in the world. Indeed. I'm curious to see that Coke Zero Sugars volume climbed 9%. I contribute, by the way. <laughs> and coffee business also saw volume increase by 11%. So coffee and um, uh, no sugar carbonated drinks. <laughs> yeah, That's but the, the, weak, the weak spot was actually juice. Value aid added dairy and plant-based beverage segments. Okay. All I right. thought those would do well because there's a trend towards healthier eating, right? Or maybe it's because it's just generally much more expensive. So consumers are tightening their belt. They are watching prices more closely and inflation is beginning to bite. Indeed. Uh, what we're seeing over on the travel sector, we have Airbnb as the barometer for that. Uh, the company released fourth quarter earnings that also beat analyst estimates. Earnings per share came in at 48 cents versus 25 cents expected. Revenue was up 24 percent on year at 1.9 billion US dollars and net income for the quarter was 319 million dollars up from 55 million dollars a year earlier. And the gross booking value, value totaled $13.5 billion in the fourth quarter. The company reported 88 million nights and experience booked in the fourth quarter, which is up 20% year-on-year. Airbnb said it made difficult choices to cut spending during the pandemic, but has modestly increased its headcount over the past two years. And the company expects to continue hiring in a judicious space in 2023. Now, in terms of guidance, they're seeing stronger demand for the year. Projects first quarter revenue to be around 1.75 billion to 1.82 billion uh, which is higher than street expectations of 1.69 billion does the street like this actually it's really really down to the wire because it's 19 mm. buys 19 holes 
five cells consensus target price for this stock is already where the share price is, which is 120 US dollars. At regular market hours, the stock is was up four dollars and forty five cents to 120 US dollars and eighty seven cents. On a year to date basis, the stock is already up six point five percent. Clearly, investors are waking up to the fact that this is a very good proxy to travel demand recovery. I think maybe we can very quickly squeeze in just one more earnings, and that's sort of the opposite side of what Airbnb does, and that's uh, hotels. We have Marriott International. Their earnings and revenues also surpassed analyst expectations, both at the top and bottom line. Yeah, if you look at the street, this one not so popular. Six buys only, 15 holes, one sell. Consensus target price for this stock, 176 US dollars. At regular market hours, it was actually up $6.90 to 181 US dollars and 27 cents. Okay, 7.18 a.m. We are taking a quick break, but we'll come back to cover more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.